Welcome to episode 147 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe, co-created by Bruce Tim. I am Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And uh, we're back. We're here. We're healthy. We're, we're continuing to refine our remote recording system. We are. Uh, and in other news, the world is full of idiots and Comic-Con is canceled. There is. There, there was a post <laughs> that I saw this morning. I, I want to read it word for word because it was so good. Uh it's uh, people going to beaches during a pandemic makes every dumb character in a horror movie now way more plausible. Yeah, right? And I'm like, fuck, god damn it. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> people are stupid. Yeah, people people don't seem to uh, to get this at yeah. all. Like, it's all something where we're, you know, kind of suffering through together. But, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're making it work. Um, the most important thing is that you and I can keep doing this podcast because if there is anything the world is clamoring for, it was more of the two of us talking bullshit all the time. Exactly. It was more so. of us living in the past, talking about shows that are 16 years old. I know, right? And trying trying to find ways to make them still relevant or to adjust their relevance, which we'll get into a little bit. Uh, this episode today. specifically is probably the most relevant episode of any static shock episode i dare say even more relevant than static shack i i mean how could anything be more relevant than static shack obviously shack being just the the paragon of pop culture awareness these days exactly uh yeah like it's funny because this is an episode that's both incredibly relevant and also in some ways tragically dated and uh, I'll, i'll get into that a little bit um, cause we are dealing with, uh, the very special episode this week. And I say that and it, it almost sounds a little like, uh, dismissive, but it actually is like a really important episode. It's, uh, Jimmy, um, which the season two finale that, uh, follows in the same vein of like, um, was it sins of the fathers tackling racism and, uh, frozen out tackling homelessness. And then this one's dealing with gun violence. And, uh, I was not expecting that when I woke up this morning to record. So that yeah. was, <laughs> A real fun surprise in this already emotionally tumultuous time. Uh, but before we get to that, I, let's talk about Comic-Con a little bit, because uh, they were kind of one of the last big holdouts of like major events, and it finally got canceled just a few days ago. It did. So, it's now, it's you, very sad, yeah. Because you were going. I, I wasn't going to be going this year. I actually, uh, I didn't have tickets this year. I, didn't, I wasn't able to get tickets. What about through work? Uh, I, I applied through work, and I, I never heard anything back from the professional department. Oh, shit. Um, I was, you know, planning on you being there. Because I, I <laughs> as well, as of right now, my brother's wedding is that weekend. Uh, whether that keeps or not is up to be seen. But uh, I wasn't going to be going. So I was like, oh, at least Cameron will go. He'll be our man on the scene. No. Uh, so I, I do think there's... So this is obviously a couple months out. No one knows the state of the world at that point. Uh, but I feel like there's, there's something... Something is going to have to happen still. Like, like it, it's such a some sort of event is going to have to happen in its place. Yeah, and it and it can be a remote event. Like I I see them doing something, and then E three as well doing something big, not big, quote unquote. Um, but you know, like E three has been really pushing the way of where I think cons are moving, where you kind of have these big names doing their own things tangential to the con going on. Yeah. So like Sony and Microsoft both have their big press conferences you know like the week before e3 now because they don't want to waste time at the conference or get lost in the shuffle yeah so they'll they'll announce their stuff a week early and then have some of the stuff to play at the conference Mm -hmm. um 
which I think is super smart. And then it also means that no one's competing with Nintendo because they usually win. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, tangent on a tangent here, but I feel like Nintendo probably is the the gaming company and console that still innovates the most. It does. So there was actually a really interesting video that I watched about that where Nintendo always seems like they're the most inventive because every time they make something, it lands. Mm-hmm. But what actually is happening is Nintendo is always like two years behind everyone else and letting them basically be their R&D department <laughs> of like, okay, you know, they switch to discs. Let's see if that, if that becomes a thing. You know, CDs become a thing instead of cartridges. And like, oh, okay, that was a thing. Okay, so now we're going to make our own CDs. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think Nintendo gets a lot, of, a lot of flack for their, like, multiple controller designs mm-hmm. and how they're all just very bizarre. But, I mean, if, if you look at the game, the GameCube really came out of following the PlayStation. Like, yeah. the controller design is, is almost the same as the PlayStation controller. The disc is the same. Um, and, and from then, it, it kind of has just been this, this kind of rubber banding thing that nintendo just always seems to win yeah i guess that's fair because i mean what the wii came out 2008 around the same time as what what was it playstation move or whatever whatever i can't remember what the name of their their weird wand thingy was yeah yeah so all three systems had their like um their motion control thing yeah Um, and if anything xbox is the most advanced but the connect yes but no connect, one but like, wanted it they never really capitalized on the format and then also xbox is just terrible like i'm i'm actually staring at mine right now and i'm i'm just staring at it with so much hatred i hate that <laughs> console it's so terrible it never operates the same way twice yeah <laughs> it's like i desperately want a playstation but like i'm not gonna get one right now i basically only really want it just so i can play spider-man i have i have my playstation now as my dvd player yeah, exactly. So, because you and I, like, I mean, you played the, the Switch, but you and I aren't necessarily huge gamers, mm-hmm. so. Oh, I, I'm very dedicated to Animal Crossing right now. I, I've I know, probably I know a lot of people that are. 100 to 200 hours already. I, I respect that move so much. I'm so glad you took a break from your Animal Crossing to come and do this. Have they found it's, yet a uh, way to, to record <laughs> podcasts inside of Animal Crossing? No, but I've seen people do, like, office meetings in Animal Crossing. <laughs> I mean, look, I haven't played it at all. I know a little bit about it from what you've explained and my friend Chris have explained. Um, but <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. But it seems like this weird, like, proxy for real life that is, at the moment, better than real life because you could actually interact with people. Yeah, and it's, it's better than people because they're animals. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. <laughs> we all wish we lived in um i was gonna say the zootopia world but like the zootopia world is still kind of like bleak and depressing it's pretty racist it actually, yeah it's pretty because it has like actual jetty with like racism in it um so why don't we instead say we all want to live inside the robin hood yeah. cinematic universe which wait hang on that apparently is getting a quote-unquote live action remake as well yeah I'm yeah. just really excited for the renewed conversation about whether it's okay to find sexually Robin Hood sexually attractive, which I admit I do. I, I find it so interesting, the argument, because like the question of Robin Hood being attractive is like, is this okay? But then you have like Lola Bunny on the other side. It's like, no, this is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I get that she was way more sexualized than Robin Hood was. Uh, but I feel like... You can't choose just one. Like, you either have to have yeah. both or neither. 
you kind of just kind of accept the fact that you're sexually attracted to an anthropomorphized animal cartoon and just move on from it. Yeah. You know, it's okay. We don't have to have a stigma around it. No, it's fine. Yeah. It's only weird if we say it's weird. Exactly. If we are all just in agreement on it, then it's totally fine. Then, yeah, then it's normalized. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I do know what you mean about I think they, they should do something. I mean, and, and we're seeing little bits of this pop up. Like, I know uh, next weekend there's this thing called Stay Home Comic Con, which I don't really know too much about. And then, like, we did our own version of At Home Comic Con yesterday, mm-hmm. um, doing a, a, a live script read of uh, Legends of the Dark Knight episode with uh the watchtower database which was super fun um yeah and i will put that video link in the show notes and then i'm gonna see if i can find a way to pull the audio and make a a, a bonus episode for us but that's uh to be determined on my uh audio editing skills um <laughs> but we're, we're seeing little things like that pop up so do you think e3 and san diego comic-con are going to do some sort of virtual comic-con presence oh absolutely i think we're gonna have that i think you know like we can do digital panels like that's a totally yeah. doable thing you know call up the big bang theory cast and crew <laughs> <laughs> what, what what are they doing other than just sleeping on massive beds of money at yeah. this point um like that's that's a very attainable thing to do well, I mean, you, you like you can live stream now to YouTube. Twitch is a huge platform yeah. at this point. Well, I, so, I think uh, I don't know if you, if you saw this online. I I assume it's going to get more publicity tonight when his episode comes out. But John Krasinski did at home prom on Friday. Oh, did he through his through his new network, Some Good News, yeah. which I think is is probably the best thing that's come out of the quarantine so far. Like those videos are so wholesome. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Uh, but yeah, he did a, a YouTube live of at-home prom where he had, like, the Jonas Brothers come on and sing their song. And then, like, Billie Eilish came on and sang one of her songs. Oh, uh, my God. And I'm like, that's fucking awesome. That is really, really sweet. Like, a nice little dose of positivity. Yeah. I, yeah, I I think they could still do something. I mean, it wouldn't have the same effect as, like, being in the room when big panels happen when big announcements happen like you know i've been lucky enough to have that in the past Mm -hmm. but then also just like the headache that it is to one get to comic-con and then two to get into those panels is so much so that you and i have both kind of abandoned doing it as i think a lot of other people have yeah so at this point a lot of that news is picked up online anyways so i mean they could easily do like you know set up a twitch stream for the day where they have like different twitch rooms representing different halls and they could do more or less those same kind of panels and have those same kind of announcements and it would i think broadly speaking have a lot of the same sort of like news spread and cultural impact that it does now it just wouldn't be the same for those people in the room yeah i i do like that idea of of making it a digital like a literal digital space where they can kind of craft their own website and you can just like it'll just be the map of comic-con and you can click on the room and it'll lead you to a unique twitch uh because there's another charity stream that happens twice a year called awesome games done quick Mm -hmm. um which is a speed running charity service where they kind of bring you know 200 of the best speedrunners in the world video game speedrunners in the world to just like show off how good they are at their game Mm -hmm. Uh, and they'll have like four or five concurrent runs going on at, at a time and it's a 24 hour stream or sorry a, a, a full day stream for four days yeah um it's like That's i definitely awesome. think they can learn from that on how to 
potentially do this bigger. And, and that's a really cool way to visualize as well. Like you said, like have a, a proxy of the map and you're like, oh, like I know what's happening at Hall H right now. Let me go check in on Hall H or Ballroom 20. Or even you could still do a lot of the, the marketplace stuff too. It's like, oh, like let me go do like a, a virtual walkthrough of the, the artist gallery mm-hmm. sort of thing. And you could just kind of like scroll through or you can search for your favorite artists and they, they have the auction going on too. Like there, there's a way to do versions of this online that I think could still work really, really well. And they have time. That's yeah. the thing. They have time to figure this stuff out. <clears throat> uh, yeah. Cause WonderCon just happened. Yeah, yeah, exactly. WonderCon would have been last weekend. Uh, and they, they, they kind of did it. Okay. Cause they, they focus on something that I'm very curious on how Comic-Con's going to work on is the merchandise standpoint. Yeah. Of like Funko did their own, like Funko had FunkoCon a couple yeah. weeks ago. And they, they still had like, like online waiting rooms to buy exclusives, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause uh, our friend Jeb got a couple of the Funkos. He was super excited about that. Yeah. They had some, some fun Scott Pilgrim ones and Speed Racer ones. Did you get any of them? I didn't. I, sh- Cameron, I forgot. Why not? I forgot it was going on. <laughs> you have the time. I know. Um, yeah, you I, can be in an online waiting room and play Animal Crossing at the same time. That's very true. I can wait. Yeah. I can be in the waiting room in Animal Crossing. Yeah. <laughs> Someone probably built out a room for everyone else who's hanging out there waiting for Funko Pops. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I feel like because that's like because so many businesses like make their money through Comic Con. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you lose that market, you know, that's hard to recover from. I'm I'm very curious of just like what San Diego is going to be like without Comic-Con because like so yeah, much mean, of their yearly revenue comes from the event. Yeah. I mean, and I think San Diego in general is a big convention town. I mean, that convention center is huge. It's really nice too. I mean, oh, it's, for those who it's the best convention been, it's actually like a really beautiful, really well laid out convention center. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of ideally placed right by the gas lamp and there's lots of great bars and restaurants and stuff. And it's incredibly close to the airport. Yeah, I mean, it really is. It's sunny all the time. Um, It's pretty much the only place that has better weather than L.A. And it's, I think, big for them in general, having all those conventions come into town, but nothing's quite like Comic-Con. I mean, Uh I I think it's fair to say there's probably a lot of businesses down there that that, uh, they account for a huge part of their annual revenue to come from that. And obviously, we're seeing that play out across the world right now. yeah, I think San Diego in particular is going to get hit hard. And I, I wonder if that's maybe part of the reason there was such a, a, a holdout for a long time on that mm-hmm. is that maybe San Diego was really trying to keep it going there. And probably a lot of the studios wanted to keep it because they, they needed some sort of like reinvigoration to happen for them after this lull. And they're hoping that could be it. But yeah. And, and I, uh, from, I've had a few conversations with people that know this better than I do. Uh, but I, there's also some like um, for tax purposes, you can't announce a closure until like a certain number of days out. Yeah. Um, I think that, yeah. In terms of like refunds, and, which is, which is why WonderCon like waited. So, cause WonderCon held out almost until like a week before the con or like two weeks before the con. Oh yeah, that's true. They, they were did. very late to announce it's cl- It was canceled. Yeah. It probably has something to do with like their, whatever, like force majeure clause they have in their insurance. Yeah. So Yeah. Not something I'm super familiar with necessarily, but yeah, so it, I, it, I, I'm very curious because because you know there's also the whole cosplay community yeah. and how they're going to react to this because uh, connected to that today is Dapper Day. Uh, oh, today that's is right. that I would be at the park in my in my Sunday best. 
do do they have some sort of like online dapper day thing happening not really everyone's kind of everyone's kind of just posting their their stuff on instagram right now and i'm, I'm sure okay. like still i haven't looked at any stories yet but i'm sure people are kind of like reminiscing on the memories wait what was your uh dapper day costume to have been i did not plan anything oh because you're like it's not gonna happen so yeah. fuck it <laughs> yeah pretty much once they closed disney i'm like this isn't gonna happen now no, it's definitely not happening anymore. Well, uh, hopefully it's reopened come November and you can do that Dapper Day. Yeah. And go full out. Uh, all right. Shall we get into our episode of the week? Because it's just the one. Let's do it. Okay. So this week we are talking about uh, Jimmy, which, as we mentioned, is like the uh, PSA, we'll call it, episode of Static Shock that addresses gun violence. Um, now, we've had... A few others within Static. We've had other ones in uh, Batman animated series where they had a, a very strong stance on the possibilities of trains. And, yeah, uh, tra- tra- <laughs> I think before this, trains was probably the biggest push PSA. Yeah. Of don't <laughs> don't run on train tracks, kids. I mean, yeah, don't run on train tracks was a big one. Don't play um, around train tracks. Don't play around. Don't um, ride on the top of trains. Um, you know, another episode was all about how don't get captured by an underground sewer king. Yeah, that was, that's that's a very important PSA. I mean, there were a lot of episodes uh, advocating the value of having both rivers and bonsai trees uh, in the middle of your city in the event you fall from a blimp. Mm-hmm. Very important stuff. Plant bushes everywhere. They yeah, can save plant, lives. Yeah, plant like real thick spongy bushes everywhere yeah. you possibly can just be on the safe side. But I lots mean, of small, like perfect sized pools that fit one person. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and have really good aim while you're falling. Yeah. But I mean, we've talked about before that I think Static was making an effort to be a little more grounded in reality than some of the other shows, which isn't surprising because, you know, Batman was always set in this sort of weird anytime timeline and was always a little bit heightened and comic booky. And obviously, Superman and uh, Batman Beyond and Zeta are all sort of sci fi stuff. And Static, by comparison, is the most grounded. I mean, it's the only show of all of them that has actual real life people show up, as we, uh, as we saw in our last episode yeah. with the great. AJ Double McLean. Bill AJ McLean and Coolio. But it also made an effort to actually have something real to say and to be a little bit more on the nose about it. Um and this episode, Jimmy jumps right into it. I mean, the the cold open is Richie getting taken out on a, a stretcher going into ambulance and Virgil and uh and Mr. Hawkins both in absolute panic about it. And if you know what the episode's about, you kind of get where it's going. Um, but it would be a pretty shocking way to to start an episode if you were a kid. Yeah. And I think it had like the I think it had the PSA up front of like this is not you know, this may not be suitable for all audiences. Oh, okay. If if it did, it wasn't on the DC Universe version, and I, I didn't see anything about it. But I wouldn't be surprised if it had some sort of thing, because mm-hmm. as we'll get into later in this episode, this was kind of kind of a trope of like the eighties, nineties, and early two thousands was these like very special episode things, which were these kind of tonal shifts uh, to talk about something a little more but more real. And I think Static does a pretty good job with them in general. Yeah, there's uh, you, there's the three you mentioned, and there's one more coming next season. Okay. Um, also, I mean, kind of a bold choice to have as the the season finale. Yeah. So I, I was talking to uh, my friend Dylan last night. And we, we, we were talking about this episode because we both mm-hmm. remember it very, very well. Uh, and we remembered that this was probably the most syndicated episode. Like, really? I remember seeing this episode constantly on, on WB and on, on uh, Cartoon Network. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and so like this, like not only was it a, a good, you know, important message, but it's one that like they wanted to share as much as possible. That's so interesting. Cause I, I mean, I know the kind of like cynical side of a lot of these like very special episodes was basically trying to get, um, like award recognition and uh, like kind of group recognition. I think this episode, in fact, actually did get. Yeah, it won a uh, uh, Humanita Prize. Okay, yeah. I mean, because it's it's pretty raw in its uh, addressing of gun violence. Yeah, there's not, there's almost no comedy in this episode. No, not really. I mean, there's kind of the, after we get the cold open and we then go into the beginning of the flashbacks, and I guess it's the, the cold open and then the, the framing device, the whole thing is Virgil talking with a, a psychologist about kind of the trauma of the, the actual attack itself. And there's a, you know, a, a brief flashback to him fighting, um, Carmen Dillo. Carmen Dillo. Thank you. Thank you. I always want to call him Armadillo, Armadillo. now. And yeah. I can't remember which one is the real name, and which one's the stupid name we made up for him. But like, you know, outside of that, I mean, that's what the only time static is in costume i guess up at, except for the very very end yeah but otherwise, yeah it's, the, it's a it's a full virtual episode yeah i mean and it so the the you know the the plot of it is that there's this uh kid at their school jimmy who's kind of a loner kind of an outsider keeps himself and he keeps getting picked on by this this very prototypical bully named nick who i guess won uh an award the previous year for best personality he certainly did not win it for best hair um no because he's a he's a 1960s greaser yeah he, he totally is a greaser it's like a very out of, very out of place and i if i had a a slight quibble with the episode it's that their version of bullying felt very stereotypical but i also can see why they would do that because you're kind of having to hit some of those really familiar like high school bullying tropes to just get that aspect of the message across. Well, I was going to say it didn't feel, it felt like middle school bullying. Like this is the stuff that I remember being picked on, Mm -hmm. like as, you know, getting kind of pushed around a little bit, kind of just like, it's it's like the small things. It's like nettling. Yeah. That that just like turn you over time of just, you know, like pushing something off your, off your desk, messing with your computer. Um, Yeah. Calling them names. Like it, it, it was very kind of basic in their portrayal of bullying, but you know, it, it does get the idea across. This kid is like just kind of an outsider and, um, you know, really has a terrible time going to school. So Virgil and, and also doesn't want to speak up for himself. Yeah. Doesn't I think want to that, speak that's up a for big, himself. a big part. And I'm surprised that that's, that wasn't the end button was, was like, like oh, about how to like speak up for yourself a little bit. Yeah. Cause kind of Virgil doesn't like, he says he learns a lesson, but you don't see him really change it all in in that last little moment it's i think overall it's very effective i think it's a little bit muddled in his messaging i think well because they say it a lot in the episode of virgil regretting like i wish i would have said something i wish i would have done something which would have you know acted more responsibly like why didn't i talk to the teacher why didn't i tell my dad there was a gun there why didn't i tell his dad that he had access to the gun yeah um, I, I think overall that's like the main message they're going for. And, and there's an actual, at the end of the episode, uh, like a fourth wall breaking direct address to the audience. And that's kind of the big takeaway from it. It's, it's mm-hmm. kind of like to use um, like modern phrasing. Like if you see something, say something is kind of it's, it's overall messaging. And I think that in combination with like highlighting the potential 
dangers of bullying and it I'm glad that they definitely tried to flesh out Nick or um, Jimmy's kind of reasoning for choosing to to take a gun to school. Actually, it wasn't the school even, was it? It was the um, the community huh. center. Yeah. Uh, I, I think part of the challenge of watching this episode now is that it has a very different context now mm-hmm. in some ways. So, because let me, when did this episode air? This was 2003, uh, I want to say. May 4th, 2002. Okay. 18 yeah. years ago. Yeah. And so I wasn't expecting to do this today. I, I did a bit of a dive on just like kind of a little bit of the history of um, uh, shootings. And also I swear to God, guys, this will eventually turn back to like more lighter fare where yeah. this is not the best place to necessarily have like this, a new conversation. This is conversation the very special episode this. of Tim talk. Yeah. Uh, this is not going to be a, a repeat of the very heavy Joker episode. We'll, we'll, we'll just want to talk about a few things along these lines, but so this is post Columbine, um, which was obviously kind of like a, a big moment. Um, but I think it's fair to say like the, the prevalence of shootings and the number of victims from each one has increased a lot. And it's almost like this episode in hindsight now seems almost like a little too simple in its betrayal because it's so much more heightened and extreme now than it was even back then. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, when it gets to the part where they're reading his manifesto, I was getting like major flashbacks to um, what's the, the Netflix show that everyone started hating. Oh, 13 reasons. 13 why. reasons why. Yeah. And especially like when they corner him in the, cause I think it's season two at the end of season two is when the kid brings, you know, his, he's, he's going to do it. Get shooting at the prom. Yeah. Cause I watched season one and they like start alluding to that at the end of season one, to yeah. set up a second season, but I didn't watch season two. Yeah, so they're like, I was getting major flashbacks to that. And like, that was such an uncomfortable moment for me just to watch that. And, you know, I obviously you have that, that duality of doing this live action versus doing this animated. It, it, it's a different feeling. Yeah, this makes it feel a little bit more detached. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it, it, it hits a lot of the, the sort of elements that we see in a lot of these situations. Like, Jimmy is kind of a loner. He's um, just kind of outside society a little bit. He's not, and even like, even the, the the there's one line that really irked me, mm-hmm. but it was it's so important that not even at home is he safe. Because there's yeah, a, line, a little bit uh, when because uh, there's a moment where uh, Virgil and Richie go and visit Jimmy at his house, uh, trying to like be friendly and trying like cheer him up and you know be supportive. Yeah, and his mom is leaving as they come in, and she kind of leans into into Jimmy. It's like try not to chase these like these two away too. Yeah, and I'm like, are you kidding? Like that's so emotionally manipulative. It, it is, and I mean, I'm it's it's a hard moment to watch, but I'm also glad they included it because it does go to show like that sort of mentality. It's like he's isolated it's... everywhere. Like he has everywhere, no yeah. safe place. No, nothing, and you know we they even acknowledge like this guy then kind of like gets overly invested in fiction and sci-fi and tends to gravitate towards like the violence in a lot of that, which we do see a little bit of otherwise. And, you know, even his, um, you know, his sort of infatuation with Frida, they kind of acknowledge like that's a contributing factor of like, Mm -hmm. you know, someone is all of a sudden 
nice to him and he he misconstrues that and i think i think it's relevant because i feel like every adolescent has that happen at a few points oh, that, I can, that that felt the most real of kind of anything in this episode was him kind of breaking down after hearing frida talk bad about him not even bad about him but not no she matching said like, oh, his she like, emotion yeah she was like she more or less just like says oh no he's like just a friend yeah sort of thing but you can understand why that's devastating for the character and it's it's good that they incorporate these little things to try and flesh jimmy out and make him a little more sympathetic um but it's i don't know it's it's weird too because i I think some of the the characteristics of jimmy apply to a lot of kind of like nerd culture in general and like the kids that are watching these sort of cartoons so i guess in one sense like it helps to make that character relatable to your audience to try and maybe like have the messaging land. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just, I, do you find it's effective in doing that? I think it, it, it shows cause on your point, it, it, it is interesting that like Jimmy kind of is us. Yeah. Um, but the show isn't from that perspective. It would be from, you know, your friend's perspective. And so yeah, it, doesn't, it doesn't help like you as the nerd deal with these emotions. Like, you're not the one getting bullied. You're not the one getting rejected. So it's, it doesn't go into like, how should you handle the situation? It's basically saying, you know, just don't let the situation happen in the first place without giving an alternative. Yeah, exactly. And I guess maybe that's the part of it that like didn't quite land for me is it, it doesn't it. I'm glad that it addresses a, a problem, but it doesn't necessarily seem to have a lot of answers, but also there aren't really good answers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I in do. A lot there, of ways. There's one line that I think is, um, a little ham fisted in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's when the gun is first brought up. I think there could have been a smoother way for that to, for that to happen. Oh, uh, oh like when, Oh, cause he's like holding that Ray gun and then he's like, Oh, you want to see a real gun? And, and Virgil then, freaks out understandably yeah, so, yeah i mean virtual reaction is, is the understandable one but i feel like that isn't how jimmy's character would have approached the situation because he's been very shy this whole time um but i guess and then like you know playing devil's advocate to my own point there is this idea of when you have new people coming in there's like the not the power displacement but the like the need to please yeah and, and, and the power show is an easy thing yeah to, to please people with yeah, and I think that's what a lot of this stems from. This episode addresses it. It's like it's it's a lack of power, it's a lack of control, and so you tend to gravitate towards unhealthy sometimes um, displays and symbols of power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I do just wish that felt a little more organic. Where like, uh, you know, Richie's holding the ray gun. They're kind of having these conversations, and uh, Jimmy, uh, you know, needs to get something from a drawer. And opens it up and they either see the gun or they see bullets. Yeah. And like, oh, what, you know, what are you doing with that? Uh, and then you can kind of lead into the same thing where Virgil kind of flips out. It's like, whoa, 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 you know, I don't want, you know, we got a guy. I don't like seeing that. He's like, oh, yeah. no, no, it's my dad's. Um, you know, I, uh, I'm trying to think of like how you kind of bring it up without it still feeling ham fisted, but some kind of idea of like, you know, after, after dealing with those guys, I come home and I just feel strong holding it. Yeah. Maybe something a little bit more, um, pointed. Yeah. Um, and then, then you can kind of continue the story as it, as it plays. Yeah. Cause I mean, for the most part, the rest of it plays out 
pretty well. Like I think having the the voiceover narration, the whole thing as it's told in flashback works well. Um, you know, basically the the rest of the plot is that Virgil and Richie are trying to really make Jimmy's life a little bit better. They invite him to help uh, Frida decorate up the community center for this like Halloween fright fest sort of thing. And he's really good at it. Like he knows how to create like really cool illusions. And all of a sudden he finds uh, a place where he's feeling accepted and utilized. And he actually has like positive influence. Um, And then that kind of all comes crashing down when like Nick shows up and kind of harasses him at the uh the fry fest itself and then i i think the me for me the moment that felt the most cliched was when he gets shoved into a locker yeah like that's kind of like the classic trope i i mean i don't know if that ever happening to anyone when i was in high school or middle school but then also like the lockers weren't tall enough to fit a person maybe yeah, I, was just, I was gonna say like in in my high school it was more of like you tried to fit in your locker because we had the like the half size ones where it was the double yeah. stack uh, like that, that was like an attempted thing. Um, yeah, that, that felt like a little on the nose, but also like that's a hard scene to watch. Like yeah, he's trapped it's, in it's there. It's his breaking point, and you hear like the this, the emotional scream. Yeah, and and you, you know where it's going too. It has like that extra just like pang that you know what's going to happen now as a result of this. And so, um, so basically, uh. Oh, was it? Oh, Virgil feels like really bad about what happens, and so he's with his dad, and they they decide they're gonna stop by and see if Jimmy's available. They'll pick him up on the way to the the fright fest, um, and then they discover that not only is Jimmy gone, but his dad's gun is gone as well. And they figure out what's happening. And uh, I think one of the other great moments in this, and it again it goes to show just what an incredible character Mr. Hawkins is. But like he immediately goes into like crisis management mode, and he tells Virgil like, "Go home. Like you're not coming with me." Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then we get down there, and Jimmy pulls the gun, and they Richie's kind of able to defuse the situation more or less, but then Nick's goons essentially like go to tackle him as the gun goes off, and Richie gets shot in the leg. Um, and I thought even the way they handled that was done pretty well, like because it's a kids' cartoon, obviously they don't show um, blood, they don't show a, like a, a gunshot wound or even like a hole in his clothes and like that, but just the thing that Richie keeps saying is like, oh, it actually hurts. It's not like what you expect to in. It's not like they show on TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, I mean, it's not, like, yeah. It's not something you get up from. Yeah. Again, trying to like emphasize the reality of it. Um, I also thought it was really interesting. That that's the character they chose to get hit, to get shot. Like, I, I guess they decided they needed to have someone really important to the audience to have it happen to. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I think, I think Richie is the, the plausible choice because it can't be any of the bullies because then, yeah. that, then that's you know the wrong message yeah because this is more trying to acknowledge just like the collateral damage oh what if it was mr hawkins oh i think that would have been so emotional i mean like that's something that virgil would like never recoup from my heart just broke by you just saying that yeah <laughs> the one responsible like good parent we have in the entire dcau um yeah i mean that's a good point it's interesting they didn't choose him maybe they felt like it would have been a bit too close to what happened to his mom um, and i I, it, I think it had to be richie because like there's no interaction between mr hawkins and um jimmy before then so like, yeah. it, it would mean a lot to the audience and it would mean a lot to virgil but it wouldn't mean anything to jimmy that he just basically shot this bystander yeah and some like the one person one of two people had actually been like trying to to help him and to do the right thing yeah um but yeah i mean it's it's a oh god it's like a really 
intense episode and kind of not what I was uh, expecting of this Sunday morning. So there's one other aspect of this episode that I find very fascinating. Mm -hmm. And it's the fact that Virgil never used his powers to try and help. And we we Mm. see in, in past episodes that like, Virgil's always stands up for the stands up for the little guy, and he he's yeah. you know always does like little pranks on the bullies where he'll melt the soles of their shoes as they're walking, or yeah, make them drop something or make something hit them in the face. You know, very like comical things. And I was expecting that through this whole episode of making some kind of power shift. And you know, when what's his name, Tony, Nick, Nick, he will. He's, I'm gonna call he's him kind Tony. of a Tony. He's a Tony. He's, he's a he's a total Tony. Uh, when Tony is like messing with him. I was expecting, uh, you know, Virgil to like electrocute the chair and make it like fall under him or yeah. something where, you know, where Jimmy isn't the butt of the joke anymore. But I, and I think it, it's very smart of them not to do it because now it is such a human episode of like, all of this is so plausible and you can't rely on, you know, external powers to be the cure all. Yeah, no, that's a really good point because they they deliberately remove Static's power element from the whole thing. It's like one, he doesn't he arrives too late to have like stopped the gun from going off. Like the only thing he does is he like magnetizes the gun so it sticks to the ceilings so and no one can get to it. Mm-hmm. But I, I agree with you. Like if they had written the episode in such a way that his powers played out in any way, like even yeah, if he like when they're at the table in the beginning, even if he had like zapped the table just to like zap Nick when he was trying to push the laptop or something like that. It would have been like, oh, well, here's how you deal with it if you have superpowers, but how does that help anyone who's actually watching it? Yeah. Like, if you're going to go for a real-world message, you can't have it get resolved with superpowers. And so I agree with you. I'm glad they chose to avoid that. Yeah. Instead. Yeah. I mean, it's it's good. I mean, Static does a really good job with these kind of episodes. Yeah, and I I do believe this is probably the best, you know, special slash PSA episode I think that maybe ever been made. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely, it has complexity and nuance as much as you can for a 23 minute episode that is from almost 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I don't know how you would do something like this in a, in a, in a modern context and i also don't really know of any shows that try to address that i don't i mean i think you maybe keep them in touch with like more contemporary um like younger audience material than i do but like i don't i don't know of anything that exists you're calling me a child i'm saying you're a child at heart cameron and you embrace (laughs) your inner child and uh you know you you watch what you want to watch so i i mean (laughs) <laughs> that sounded so belittling. <laughs> you but, I mean, politician. Do, yeah, do you, I know. Trying to go for like the most diplomatic response possible. Do, I mean, do you know of anything contemporary that tries to address this at all that's aimed at kids? Um, not not something this serious. Yeah. Because obviously, like nowadays, you know, teenage shooting is uh, much worse than it was. 20 years ago yeah i mean when we were in school i remember doing the occasional like lockdown drill yeah yeah we did one lockdown in middle school and one in high school but there there are few and far between like there wasn't like a like a whole robust policy in place it wasn't something we practice all the time and from what i've heard i think that's actually pretty common these days now Mm -hmm. well we we had one scare in middle school because there was some like violence reported 
you know, it's like a mile or two from my middle school. And so we went into lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was no fear. It wasn't this, you know, it wasn't the same fear expectation you would have now. It was everyone's like kind precaution. of caution. Yeah. Everyone's kind of sitting in silence. I mean, not even silence. Like people are cracking jokes and yeah. Um, scooting under, you know, it, 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 it's the scene from uh, fucking eighth grade. Oh like that, my that God. That was almost exactly what happened with us. You know, like no one took it seriously. People like joking around on their phones. Yeah. Oh my God. I forgot about that scene in eighth grade. Holy mm-hmm. shit. God, that is an incredible, but painful watch that movie. Yeah. It's like painful in the best way possible. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, I thought this, this episode does a really good job with it. Um, any other thoughts on the episode itself or should we, should we talk about some other, uh, very special episodes? I think you and I both did some research on this. <laughs> we did. Uh, I, I do. What was the, yeah. Oh, uh, talking about like the, the punishment for each person and kind of talk, kind of like the muddled, not really happy ending of this episode where Jimmy, the one who's been bullied this whole time and does make the mistake of firing a gun is sent to juvie. Whereas the guy who's bullying him and pushed him to that point is just suspended with his friends. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's not a really uplifting ending. And then of course the, the, um, as you brought up the, uh, breaking the fourth wall moment yeah, with static and, and us. Now, do you feel though, like with, do you think kids watching this would be able to recognize the lack of justice in the outcome? Be able to look at that and go like this, or maybe not be able to phrase it that way, but look at it and go like, oh, it seems super unfair that like the sympathetic kid has had his entire life ruined, and the guy who really like not caused all of this, but really you know precipitated the outcome. Yeah, who who we don't even know as an audience member learned a lesson or not. Sorry, uh, like we as the audience don't even know if if Tony even learned a lesson from any of this. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I guess we don't know. So I, I don't. I mean, I, I think you know, kids are smart. They might be able to pick up on that sense of like, this seems really unfair. That this is how it played out. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. I mean, it, there's no real, sub, real noticeable consequence on the part of um, the bullies. And I, I mean, I think that in of itself is also true of real life as well. Mm-hmm. Which kind of sucks. But yeah. yeah. Well, but, let's talk about let's, other PSAs. Let's talk about, let's talk about some other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's like because this was like a a definite trope that was happening, like we said before, um, kind of starting off in the seventies, really taking root in the the eighties and nineties and early two thousands, to the point where it eventually got kind of phased out because it became a bit of a punchline. Um, yeah, but yeah, you and we, I, we found a list of all the cartoon ones specifically, and probably and, uh, half the ones mentioned were parodies of other. Yeah. Episodes. So I think I'll actually put this down in the the show notes um, links to tvtropes.com, which we've gone to a number of times to kind of get a little more research. But they have a um, a whole page dedicated to very special episodes for live action TV and also for Western animation. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of look through both of them. And th- there were definitely patterns emerging looking through all of it. Um, we found that like eating disorders were really big ones. Oh, that was a hot topic in the 90s and 2000s. And, and you had a good point on that. Which uh, is, I, I think it's kind of a safe topic. Like, something like this, which is, you know, dealing with, like, a, a really intense, very heavily consequential um, problem with a lot of collateral damage with, in terms of gun and, violence. And it's political. It's hard. Like, it's a very, very political and, moment. Well, and 
I think part of the sad thing is like it shouldn't be political, and I right. think that's part of the thing is when this episode came out, it wasn't politicized, and now it is politicized in this really, really like toxic, frustrating way, as many things are. Um, you know, we won't get into it, but you can definitely draw parallels to that, and even like what's going on with with COVID in the news right now. But I think the difference is is like something like that is really hard to do, and like even this episode, which I think is about as well you can like it's pretty much the best version you can of doing this you know obviously has holes in terms of how you get the messaging across whereas something like you know an eating disorder was a common one um you know bullying in general without necessarily like the the gun element included was a big one drinking mm-hmm. cigarettes and marijuana oh, marijuana <laughs> i think so marijuana many. has some of the funniest ham-fisted episode because uh the one that popped in my mind was the Save by the bell where oh, uh it was the, the caffeine ep- pills no no the, the marijuana one Oh, I didn't know about the marijuana one. Yeah, so they there's like an actor that comes into, oh, uh, into I did their school this, and they're yeah. they're filming a music. No, it's a singer. They're filming a music video in their school, uh-huh. um, and obviously the gang gets gets chosen to be all background characters in the music video. Of course. Uh, and you know they they call cut. The actor and Zach kind of go off, kind of go to the side, and they're like, yeah, man, it's hard being a musician. You know, you got to deal with all this shit. It's like, but I got one thing that takes the edge off. And it's like the, like, the very typical, like, zoom into the joint. It's like, <laughs> is that a joint? It's like, yeah, man, it really helps. Is that grass? Yeah. Is that I'm, marijuana? And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> it's so, like, some of them are so bad. I mean, they are. And, like, it, it was definitely, like, a campaign that was going on. Um, mm-hmm at that time to like really stigmatize marijuana use, which luckily we've started to push back against now. And like, I mean, I'm, I don't even smoke, like it's not my thing. Um, but I don't really give a shit about people who do. And like, well, I think the, better, uh, it's probably better than drinking, which is my advice of choice. The, uh, uh, the, the Saved by the Bell one specifically, I remember being so funny because the head of NBC at the time is the fourth wall break at the end of the episode. Oh really? Is the oh head of NBC God. is on the Saved by the Bell set. And he's like, I just want to tell you that marijuana is bad. Yeah, it, it definitely, like, I, I am not super familiar with the, like, the intersection of, um, like, marijuana stigmatization and criminalization and, like, broader issues about um, criminal justice reform. I'm just not super well-versed in that topic, so I don't have a lot of nuanced things to say about it. But, like, I think there's definitely something, there's a definite correlation there. Like, there's this definite push at that time to try and stigmatize it which is so it's just in hindsight it just seems so so dumb and so petty um you know and like cigarettes too was a big part of that like i think you made a reference to a um uh it wasn't uh osmosis jones right yeah there's Ozzy an Ozzy and Drix episode i remember that episode there actually. was also uh when i was doing my research last night there was a superman short um called uh don't say yes to cigarettes Mm-hmm. And it's it's the it's like the Fleischer style Superman oh uh, my God. fighting a nicotine villain. Love it. Uh, yeah, it was it was, it was actually kind of cool because it was the blend of animation and live action. So it was it was real kids, uh, and it was a nicotine. Oh, really? It was the cartoon nicotine villain handing him. I'll, I'll try and find the the clip again because it was actually oh, okay. like, pretty it well animated. It kind of sounds like the uh, the American Express Jerry Seinfeld Superman ads. Yeah. <laughs> Was it also voiced by Patrick Warburton? Uh, no. Not that I caught. 
an underrecognized and underappreciated uh, Superman actor, that one. Yes. But yeah, I mean, I, you even pointed out that like eating disorders amongst all those that there was an episode of uh, My Life as a Teenage Robot that addressed that. Where I was like, yeah, Carl, Jenny Nick- couldn't get any skinnier because she was a robot. So then like they basically like brought her down to a skeleton. Yeah. Nickelodeon specifically had so many. Ma- I feel like every show that had a female character, a female lead had mm. an eating disorder episode. Yeah. I was going through the list and even fucking Billy and Mandy had like a a. a like a female, like a, you know, accepting the female body kind of episode. I'm like, yeah. Mandy, that is so off character for Mandy. Like, <laughs> well, she's never been that kind of person. Right. And I mean, I think there's value to doing that sort of stuff. Cause I mean, that, that is actually still something that's only like ongoing now of like, um, issues about uh, a body image and self-confidence and there's a, a whole lengthy discussion i won't get into about like that's effects in the gay community especially and my god especially living in west hollywood where i i have, I have a question for you yeah and, I, and i've been thinking about it a little bit this week um with, with the with the idea of body image stuff um since we're now in this age where virality is so tangible oh good Good. That's a great phrase. My Thank God. you. I, oh. I've been thinking about it a lot. I've been trying to pick the right words. Oh God! Like the the grammar nerd in me, like the grammar vocab nerd <laughs> in me, just like really love that camera. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. I just had to give you a little moment of praise. No, I appreciate please, that. Please I'm continue trying, on I'm your point. I'm trying to sound yeah. smart. Sometimes. Please continue on your 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 virality comment here. Uh, when we're in this world where anyone can go viral with any kind of video, do you think that's going? Especially with the younger generation, where you know, like every TikTok. You know, everyone's trying to get on TikTok right now. Um, do you think that this desire for your 15 minutes will affect, you know, the uh, will affect the weight, uh, not the weight, uh, yeah, like the the general overweight problem of the next generation? Or I... do you think it will balance out because while they have this need to look better or desire to look better, they're also the less the the least active generation ever. I I don't know. I have a hard time speaking about it for like Gen Z mm-hmm. um, just because I'm not one. I, I can, Those I can fucking see kids. There's this youths. I can see where that could be become. A, I, I think there is something potentially problematic about yeah the idea of like instant virality and i I think we our generation suffers from it a little bit too um i i think ultimately what it can possibly do is skews people's perceptions of reality Mm -hmm. you know we we see a little bit of this even being acknowledged on instagram like there was that great um cartoon someone put out it was a cartoon or an actual image but it was like showing this like absolutely gorgeous apple on one side and it was like you know instagram and then it you know kind of flipped it around and it was the backside and the backside of the apple was like just like rotten eaten now it's like oh you know the reality behind the the image is put up there and i think there is an element of that um and you know again my my pov on it is strongly rooted in the the gay community particularly the west hollywood gay community which you know is sort of tangentially by association kind of connected with general like entertainment perspective in la mm-hmm. but it, you do get the skewed sense of reality of like you know you like living in west hollywood like every dude is ripped as fuck everywhere you go and that is just not feasible for a lot of people and you you it is like really 
kind of in your face a lot of the time. And you definitely see a lot of people trying to um, emulate that sort of a, a, a tension that comes with being like crazy, crazy fit over Instagram, just being like, well, you know, skin cells. And like, I fall victim to all the time too. Like I'll be scrolling through my Instagram, which is mostly at this point, Legos and thirst traps. Um, and sometimes Lego thirst traps. I'm, I'm waiting for, you know, I'm waiting for that crossover. We got a little bit of it with Lego masters because there was a couple contestants on there that are very, very hunky, but they have yet to actually post like Lego constructs, like in front of them while they're shortlist, which I'm really hoping happens. Oh, I'm expecting like very, <laughs> I'm just imagining very, very unpleasant, very painful Lego sex toys. Oh God. <laughs> I mean, look, they're getting a lot of smoother rounded elements out there now at this point. You know, <laughs> you can probably make it work. Yeah, you, 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 you can build something. There's a lot of motors out there. We could find something creative. You know what? Off air, I will do some dil- due diligence <laughs> to see if I can track that, this down just for those who care. Um, um, but I mean, we, we do see a little bit of that, like the idea that like, you know, skin cells and that's the idea is you have to try and, uh, you know, get a, a attention that way. And it's something that like, you know, we because of this podcast the podcast i have like i have this like the most minuscule sort of internet presence possible but like it's something even i become aware of it or like even fall victim to a certain point it's like oh like does this help fit an image and i have to try and like work my way out of that mentality Mm -hmm. um and i imagine that it might be even more prevalent in those that are younger than us but there's also maybe the hope that they are pushing against some of those stereotypes in some ways too. Like they're a little bit more self-aware, a little more open-minded, hopefully. Um, I don't know. I'd be very curious to hear what a, like a, a Gen Z person's perspective is on that. Yeah. Um, yeah Cause, cause there's one aspect that as you were talking, I just thought about and it's the filter, mm. you know, the, the use of filters yeah. of, of us in the next generation. And like someone posted a video of, of like TikTok filter. When you make a TikTok video, there's an automatic filter that goes over you. Jesus. Uh, which I, I didn't even know about. Uh, and so that I find interesting. But now there's like sliders and stuff of just as you're, as you're recording, there's, you know, the technology is so great now that like it was a girl who was, you know, hair kind of messy in front of her face, uh, no makeup on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it basically turned her into a tanned, full makeup, like hair back on her head video. It Jesus. was like was updating live as she was recording. Oh my god! Um, I'm like that's I mean, it's, crazy. Yeah, it's like like Photoshop happening in real time. Yeah, and then, and then College Humor did a, a one of my favorite web videos from a couple of years ago of uh, talking. It was is like a fake graphic design breakdown of how they did this like great uh, Photoshop picture. Mm-hmm. And it was a girl in a red bikini in front of a beach. And and when they're done with the tutorial, that you realize that it started off as a piece of pizza, uh, <laughs> and like manipulated it where like the pepperoni became the bikini, uh, and I'm like, it's so funny, uh, but I'm like, yeah, you can fucking do that. Like you can turn a piece of pizza into a hot girl now. You can. I mean that that's the thing. It's like uh, anything is possible, and there is uh, a lens. Oh, hi, kitty. Sorry, I got distracted by the neighbor's cat outside my window. Probably hunted gophers. Uh, yeah, like anything can be manipulated in a way to um, project a certain kind of image, and whether that's realistic or not is part of what makes it tough. And so, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I can understand why 
back then you would get a lot of these like eating disorder PSA episodes because it was a, it was a safe and easy and at the same time still valuable thing to talk about. And, and, you know, one of the things I read is that a lot of these sort of episodes phased out over time because it started to become a bit of a punchline. Like there were a lot of episodes on that list that were parodies. Like the, the Animaniacs did a whole parody episode based exclusively around trying to come up with new PSA so they could win another Emmy award. Yeah. Like that's early too. That would have been in the 90s. Like, that, yeah, that's like, 92. They were like early on that trend to try and start poking fun at it. Um, but then, you know, shows come came along like uh, like The Simpsons, obviously, at a certain point start to like parody very special episodes. I think Family Guy has done a lot with that. South Park at this point, like their episodes that are actually trying to say something meaningful are also making fun of people's attitudes towards it in a lot of ways as well. Yeah. And I, I think that sort of um, like punchline angle, like, uh, parody things started to break the trope apart a little bit as just also like the prevalence of dramedy as a genre like at a certain point you didn't have to have very special episodes because you could have comedies actually say something meaningful without having to do this massive tonal shift right and then then also kind of take it while being serious but also still injecting that humor in there and like making it a serious topic but also like oh we're not like super serious about it like yeah. you should think about it but not like you know like think about it I think one of the best examples out there is uh, Blackish, which is a really, really great show. Yeah. Um, and they've tackled a number of like pretty heavy things and still made them like really funny episodes. I mean, one of the ones that came to mind is they did an episode all about um, like the Black Lives Matter movement. And actually, I heard about that episode and made me start watching the show just so I could watch that episode. And it's a great episode of TV. Like, it's genuinely really heartfelt and really nuanced and has a lot to say. But it's also still really funny because it's just, like, really great writers and really talented cast. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I think that makes it so that you can actually say really meaningful things while still being fun and entertaining and not having to, like, be like, hey, here's a warning. This episode won't be any fun at all. Do you, do you, want, do you have a list? Uh, do you want to just kind of jump through a couple of your... Uh, your, your I, I, only, ones. I only wrote down one, which was the, the most ridiculous one I could find. And I'll save that to the end. I think you probably have a few okay. good ones you want to reference. So. Uh, yeah, I, I have, I have one that is also kind of over the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think some of the, the best ones. it for me, I think Fresh Prince had the two best PSAs. There's some really good ones. Yeah. Uh, there's the one where, uh, Carlton overdoses on speed pills and has to get his stomach pumped. Oh, God. Uh, and they're, they're Will's pills. Uh-huh. So like Will feels extra bad about it, um, and then there's the one where Will gets shot and and Carlton buys a gun as like a retaliation oh, method. Oh fuck! Uh, like those two are huge, and then and then there was like you know there was a handful of race racist themed episodes. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the one where Will and Carlton are sent to jail because they're driving a nice car uh, in an area that they like quote unquote shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, dealing with that kind of situation. Um, but no, th- those those two, I think, are huge, huge episodes. Um, the, the only... I haven't really watched a lot of French pr- Fresh Prince, but the... French the Prince. One ep- French Prince, which is uh, a totally French different Prince episode. Of <laughs> yes, so many baguettes. Um, the one that comes to mind, which I've only seen the clip of, is... Uh, I'm trying to remember the exact plot of the episodes. Basically, like, in the episode itself, the the char- Will's character, like his dad, who kind of like walked yeah. out and like, oh, um, like comes back, and like Will as a character comes to realize like his dad doesn't love him. And what I've heard about that episode is that like that I think that actually happened to Will Smith as like mm-hmm. the the person. Yeah. And so that that moment when he has a full breakdown on on screen was like real, and um 
the uh the reaction from his uncle like that was just the other actor like responding to this person he cared about like having yeah. this real this real moment which is i mean genuinely like i mean heartbreaking in the episode itself and you know the context too it's just like adds that much more poignancy to it but yeah that that episode is is very hard to watch it's a great episode yeah um but yeah like that i, I cried when i first watched that episode i'm getting emotional just like talking about it <laughs> right uh, now uh some other ones that that have some really good psas that's so raven actually had a really good uh oh, yeah. fighting racism psa because mm-hmm. um, it was raven and chelsea the best friend apply to work at the same boutique store uh that's repetitive the same boutique um <laughs> they stopped by an atm machine to draw some cash first on the way yeah yeah uh, some cash money yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and chelsea like kind of messes up her interview process and her her like kind of quote unquote, her like audition process but still gets the job over raven and yeah. raven has a vision where she learns that she didn't get the job because they don't hire black people yeah um, jesus yeah wait does raven have psychic powers have you never seen that's so raven i've never seen that so raven. the whole premise is yeah is, is raven <laughs> can see the future i i thought the theme it was a song is when you get to the future you think life life would be a breeze uh, like, i've never seen the show i thought it was all just based around like uh, you know like raven simone who has this incredible personality like a really good person around which to build a sitcom like you do with every other like comedy star of the 90s and they get a whole thing i thought that's what it was about unless she was a psychic no yeah she's a psychic <laughs> what uh, all right you, yeah you learn something new every day yeah uh, and then two more, you know, Captain Planet is kind of a show about PSA. Like the yeah, whole, the whole show premise. is, yeah, it's just a great, great special episode. Yeah. Uh, and then kind of coming a little more current, uh, there was a Teen Titans episode, I think in like season four, mm-hmm. um, where, where we learn Starfire's race, the Tamaranians, uh, are kind of treated as like second class citizens in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. And there's a new alien that comes to Earth named uh, Trock. Uh, uh, is it Torque? Torque, yeah. Um, who is just like consistently belittling uh, Starfire. And there's like a really, really heartwarming moment, but not heartwarming, special moment between Starfire and Cyborg where they kind of bond over this like being judged by your appearance kind of thing. Yeah. And oh, him, he has like a great monologue about like before, you know, like people gave me weird, people give me weird looks now because I'm a cyborg. But even before that, I got a lot of weird looks just because I was a, a black kid. Yeah. God damn. Um, I, don't, I, I think it's amazing that a lot of these shows are able to do that sort of thing. Yeah. Like, like I, I know it's sad at Super Bowl when I accused you of watching children's programming mm-hmm. <laughs> accurately. Um, <laughs> but I, I mean, I, I think that is ultimately the the power of making content for kids is like you actually have an opportunity to say something really meaningful and to maybe shift perspective a little bit and to broaden their worlds in a lot of ways too. And, you know, these shows serve as a great, you know, allegories for like real world problems. And, you know, sometimes going super on the nose with them the way this episode did is helpful but sometimes making them more oblique can help get the messaging across yeah so so i have and, i have one more that lines up great with what what you just said uh, mm-hmm. where it focuses less on kind of like the bigger psa and it's kind of the inner special moment yeah uh but big mouth 
actually has a lot of really, really good PSA like songs and episodes. I've heard that Big Mouth is is great. I need to watch at some point because it's totally my wheelhouse of comedy. It's it's very like up and down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are some like there's there's a whole song uh, or there's a whole episode about like am I gay and like Aww. how do I kind of go about dealing with that? Yeah. Uh, there's this, a great song called "Girls Are Horny Too." <laughs> Uh, you know, kind of trying to break the the stereotype of like only guys can, you know, like it's only okay for guys to be aroused. Yeah. Uh, and then another song. This one was funny because it's the opening number. Like this, is, you start the episode, uh, and it's a song about how to have a female orgasm. My God, that's so amazing. Uh, and I'm like, they're not holding. They're not pulling any punches on this show. I'm glad. Yeah. Like, put it out there. Like, yeah. And these are like obviously obvious things that like need to be said now no i mean it's there's you know a, a whole discussion we made about the fact that um you know like female sexuality not from a male perspective and then also um yeah like questioning your own sexual identity like those are things that just didn't exist like when we were kids like they didn't exist in cartoons and yeah and like, it, that's still shows. a joke that i hear it's like what's more fictional unicorns or female orgasm oh my god i know it's oh it's so stupid you know, people get, everyone gets thirsty yeah. and some don't. And that's great too. Yeah. And that's, yeah. There's a whole episode about like, uh, pansexuals too. Yeah. Uh, and like, just like going over the full spectrum and I'm like, yeah, fucking I mean, good on is. you, Nick Kroll. Yeah. No, I mean, look, that's I, not I the love voice of the generation it, I was expecting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it's John Mulaney too, right? Isn't yeah. It Kroll, it's, it's Nick Kroll, Kroll John Mulaney. Yeah. And then, uh, who's they, they, um, Jenny Slate voices. I don't think she writes. Oh my god, I love Jenny Slate. Yeah. No, it's great. No, the uh, it's in a totally different vein. The only episode I wrote down was the most ridiculous one I could possibly find, um, and it was from Punky Brewster, a show that I basically know nothing about. Uh, but they had an episode called uh, Cherry Lifesaver where one of the kids learned how to do CPR. Yes. And, oh, and the yeah. climactic moment where it uh, actually became relevant was one of their friends uh, trapped themselves inside an old abandoned refrigerator and like they opened it and she was unconscious. They had to give her CPR to resuscitate her. And I just thought it was, I mean, so funny because that's not a thing now. Like I, they even made a comment in the article I was reading about how at a certain point in the 90s, like all refrigerators were built so that you could open them from the inside so this wouldn't happen mm-hmm. but like that was a real thing that used to be like an actual genuine problem which that's, is so funny that's yeah wait did you know that, that was actually part of the original story for back to the future i didn't yeah before it was the delorean uh one of the early drafts had uh marty getting going inside a refrigerator and then like it involved a nuclear blast like that's part of how he ended up going back in time and the part of the reason they scrapped it was they didn't want kids getting trapped inside refrigerators that you know that's fair that's but don't worry spielberg kept that idea and used it later (laughs) in a very disastrous way (laughs) yeah all right well that you know covers this very special segment of very special episodes uh but it is the end of season two so we do have our short oh, list right. discussion to do that. still to go i know <laughs> we, we, there's still more cameron we're not done yet yeah uh so we're gonna run through the uh the 11 episodes of the season we're gonna give them a a yay or nay and come up with our definitive short list at the end here so Starting with episode one, The Big Leagues, with Batman and Robin and Joker, Cameron, yay or nay? Oh, yay, for sure. Oh, a- 
absolutely a yay. Like we, we can't possibly just like skip past uh, a critical crossover episode. So that one gets a total yay. Uh, episode two power play when Richie gets powers. I was I was debating this one, but me being the stickler that I am for these rules, I have to say no. You gave it a no. I gave it a nay. I, I, I gave it a yay because I, I like that idea of what happens when Richie gets powers too. I thought it added some interesting character Did they play. introduce a gadget in this episode? I, d- I honestly don't remember. Um, but part of the downside of doing these every other week is I have to like really stop and think about uh, these episodes. Yeah. Um, no, from continuity here on the DCAU fandom, uh, we get Ragtad's origin in Attack of the Living Brain Puppets, as we discussed. And then we get the fact that Richie's full name is Richard Osgood Foley, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, otherwise, I don't think it has any sort of uh, continuity relevance. So Wait, you said his middle name is Osgood? Osgood. That's, that's Jimmy's last name. Jimmy. Jimmy Osgood. Oh, Wait, from today's episode? Yeah, so I guess that's just their like their filler, <laughs> their filler name. Oh my god, you're right. I didn't even <laughs> what? What conspiracy? Yeah, uh, Maddie, he I know shot you're his brother. We we need you to do a full on like conspiracy deep dive on this and figure out where the Osgood name significance comes from. Yeah, you're far better prepared for this than we are because we don't know anything. <laughs> uh, okay, so we're giving power play a nay. I'm giving it a nay. Okay, we're giving that a nay. All right. Uh, episode three, brother-sister act. Uh, nay. Yeah, I, I gave it a nay as well. Like, I like that we get more from Sharon, but mm-hmm. overall, I'm like, I didn't really have anything that substantial to add. Yeah. Uh, okay. Th- this is my tough one. This is a tough one. Um, all Static right. Shack. Oh, I said four. yes. Said it? Okay, good. I also said yes. I said yes. We, you, we, look, we have to. Like, this episode is a, a like, this sounds very bizarre, but in a lot of ways, like, this episode is to Static Shock what, say, like, Heart of Ice is to Batman Animated Series. Not necessarily in terms of being, like, a great episode, but it is, like, what the show is known for. Like, the show yeah. is known for having, the st- like, the Shaq connection. The first of the Shaq episodes. The only Shaq <laughs> the episode. The first of the Shaq episodes. <laughs> i will right. write a shack episode please do please write it we'll do a script read yeah we've discovered those are amazing we'll do it all right we're giving a yes on static shack uh number five frozen out of course i gave it a yes as you well i mean like that's such a good episode it is it is a really good episode i i think it does what a lot of other shows um don't do and it's an absolute yes on that one mm-hmm. uh number six sunspots no yeah same i don't even remember what this episode is about so i gave it a no that's when he loses powers yeah, who cares? Nothing else happens in that episode. He uses the the grenades that Richie made for him. So I, I think here, uh, here's a, a good way Austria. oftentimes to decide whether it's a relevant episode or not is, uh, is the villain in it for about five minutes and is that villain just a recurring one they had to shoehorn in because they didn't have enough time to write a new one? Hot streak. Yep. I think most hot streak episodes we can skip. Um, you know, until, just until go watch the last the Sugar Ray music video instead to get the same effect. Yeah. All right, uh, number seven, Pop's girlfriend. Oh, I I said no. I said yes. Okay. So, I I think I included it because what? So our definition is mm-hmm. the, the the strict <laughs> definition is it is necessary for continuity or it's a really good episode, right? Yes. I agree that I don't even remember the villain plot really in this one. I think 
it was like the the mutation thing or the big mutant monster guy was the villain at the end so i think it's a no yeah but i think this is a super important episode in terms of the relationship between mr hawkins and virgil and like that relationship is so central to the show and i think it fleshes out mr hawkins a lot in terms of okay you, you you've convinced outside me. of his kids so yeah. i said i gave it a yes I'll, I'll give that a yes okay good all right number eight bad stretch of course yeah all rubber band man episodes all of them we need all of them uh, I mean, except the next one uh, okay all right all right all right we'll, we'll, we'll have a discussion we'll okay a discussion. yeah bad stretch um, yes definitely um wait but bad wait i'm looking at something again bad stretch that, that's oh, the yeah, one where he fights ebon yeah, yeah that's a really good episode like, yeah I mean, and and it continues the story because now like that's the one where we learn their brothers which never comes up again ever exactly yeah but we know so, but for, for continuity's sake apparently it's relevant yeah uh all right we'll give bad stretch a yes number nine attack of the living brain puppets I said no hard no on that absolute skippable episode uh number 10 duped look Look, I love Factory Boys. We know. And we, I we love had a lengthy discussion about it. Rubber Band Man. But I don't think this episode is necessary at all. So I gave it a yes. Okay. For two critical reasons. One is this shows what we were talking about last week or two weeks ago in that rubber band man is the only superhero pretty much in the entire dcau that has a fully fleshed out life outside of being a superhero his identity is known he has an actual like healthy relationship we don't see that anywhere else Mm -hmm. for its significance and two in the same way that shack episode is so critical i think this one's important because it goes to show like what makes this series stand out from the other ones which is that it is deeply rooted in pop culture it's clunky sometimes in its execution but no other dcau show would have a like real life person be so prominent in it and it is so specific of the time i think this maybe more so than any other episode gives you a snapshot of when the show was made okay that's a very good point uh i, I will share my counterpoint <laughs> now <laughs> okay um we're, we're, we're recreating crossfire here over yes. the backstreet boys inclusion instead of shock um i i do agree that i get such a cool encapsulation of the time okay but for a rubber band man story it is a complete side story for him where nothing he has no character growth in this okay in his arc of hero to anti-hero to hero or sorry villain to anti-hero to hero um okay where in this episode he's not famous anymore. He actually mm-hmm. loses fame and regains fame. Mm-hmm. Um, the character obviously never re- reappears again. His relationship with any of these characters never reappear again. Um, and I think it is smoother to go from the Ebon episode right into the next appearance. Okay. Uh, which will be the dyslexia episode. All right, you know what? I will give that to you. You remember the static continuity way better than I do, uh, so I defer to you on this. We'll give it a no. Great. All right, and then, of course, episode 11, Jimmy. Oh, you have to. Yes, absolutely have yeah, to. Yeah, you have it, it to. Is, it is really, really good. So that makes our season two shortlist. Episode one, The Big Leagues. Uh, episode four, Static Shack. Episode five, Frozen Out. Episode seven, Pop's Girlfriend. Episode eight, Bad Stretch. And episode 11, Jimmy. That's a, that's a pretty good. It's one, yeah. two, three, four, five. Kind of cut it in half. Six. Yeah, cut it in half, which is yeah. uh, you know usually kind of on uh, on par for us in terms of our short list, but I think a, a pretty damn solid one. So, all right. So let me do some quick notes from friends. They won't take too long here. Okay. 
running a little bit lengthy, but uh, that's okay. We had a lot to say this week. So, because we put out a call, as you may recall, at the end of our last episode, asking people to write in if they had any experiences with oh, that's right, student body, uh, any like student council stories, and we had uh, two. So one was from uh, Benjamin David, friend of ours from the uh, Above and Batman Beyond podcast. And uh, he writes, yo, yo, so good to have you guys back. Uh, glad you're well and safe. Thank you, Benjamin. Same to you. Uh, he said, so this isn't a dramatic student council story, but it might be a quick pop culture nerdy thing of me to mention. Uh, in the seventh grade, a group of us ran under the campaign slogan, Ticket in Black, because I'm old enough that MIB1 was still new. <laughs> Uh, the artists in the group made campaign posters drawing us in black suits and a bunch of aliens surrounding us. Uh, we went all, we all went to one of their houses and, uh, drew an Oak tag and had pizza and there were no phones and it was nineties as fuck. Uh, cool kids made fun posters. We lost by the way. Uh, he said that was the one and only year I was a solid student. So that was the last student council story I have, uh, vote ticket black in 98. So just... I love that. I, I do love a great uh, dated pop culture reference because that's all we do here. Yeah. Really. So that was fantastic. Benjamin, thanks for writing in and sharing that story. And then uh, the other one we had was from Ashley Clark. Who, she is a teacher, so she has a little uh, experience with this. Um, so she wrote in, uh, in regards to the high school politics, yes, there are those kinds of shenanigans in public school sometimes. I can't get specific, but trust me, they exist. <laughs> High school is just a microcosm of society anyway, and just like you have your people overly invested in things that ultimately are important in the adult world, it's the same in high school. And uh, she wraps it up by saying, I would posit that both of you didn't run in the crowds that would have been concerned about it. Yes, that's, 100%. that's true. 100%. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll reference uh, one of my favorite songs again, as I've probably met, referenced many a time on this podcast, uh, the great anthem from Bowling for Soup, High School Never Ends. High school never ends. It's true. Uh, great, great song from Bowling from Soup. But uh, yeah, Ashley, you're absolutely right. We were part of the group that was, well, frankly, watching Static Shock. Yeah. So, all right, Cameron, shall we uh, land things here with some bat plugs? What do you got for me? Let's do it. Uh, I watched Code 8 this week. I did too. <gasps> yeah, it's, it's good. It's pretty good. It's, it's yeah. really good. I was very pleased with it. Uh, of the like new, because we, we've talked about this before and, and, how film doesn't do a great job showing off like new powers. Yeah. Uh, I like th- I think this is just a better push. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I never or saw like push, push, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a jump, similar idea. Jumper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it definitely fits in that world um, with a little bit of like district nine tied into it. And yeah, that's a comment I made too, is that it, it had a, there were similarities there. It had the same sort of like gritty tone yeah to it no code was great um, yeah I, I i liked it i thought it was you know a little a little tropey at times um but i thought it was really well cast i thought both steven and robbie Mel did a really great job um i thought they did a pretty good job visualizing a lot of the the powers and the the effects looked really good i mean for being a definitely like a, a a low budget movie um the like robot police effects and then the superpower effects were yeah, both they all looked great done it, yeah it looked it looked really really good you know i mean i think this this sounds like damning with faint praise a little bit, but I think it's a great Netflix film. It's up on Netflix. I agree. Oh yeah, I think it yeah. like if you compare it to the last kind of like VFX heavy movie they did, which would have been the the Will Smith one. Yeah, uh, so this wasn't actually Netflix produced. Oh, yeah, 
it um so I guess it was a little misleading when I said it's a good Netflix film. Like it wasn't Netflix produced; it, it was produced independently, and and it ended up on Netflix after it got I think a, a very small theatrical distribution. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember because I still follow Stephen on Instagram and Facebook. Oh, he's great. Yeah, he's I remember amazing. him talking about it. Yeah, so it definitely had a yeah. small. But what I mean by it being a good Netflix film is like it is. I find a lot of Netflix films are like seventy percent of a good movie. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, oh, like most of this is there, but there maybe just wasn't a little bit of that like extra effort needed to push it over the edge. To me, this felt like the sort of movie you watch on Netflix and you're like, oh, like that, you know, that's actually really good. Like I totally could have seen that in the theater and probably would have enjoyed it. But, you know, it's a good like at home experience of being like pleasantly surprised by it being a little bit better than you expect it to be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, and then I have I don't know if we've done this before. Uh, I have an anti plug. You have an anti- I, we, I don't think we've ever done this before. Are you are you? Doing a PSA? Are you warning people against something? I am, against a show that I watched the first <laughs> two episodes of, and I wish I could take my life back. Would you watch? Too Hot to Handle. Okay, uh, our friend CJ is blasting Instagram right now, talking about Heo. He and his boyfriend are just watching it nonstop. What is, is the show? I don't know. It is the, the horniest show on Netflix. Dare that I say the something. horniest show ever produced that is still PG-13. Um, but the premise is it's so dumb. It's they, they've brought in like 12 very, very, very attractive people. That's surprising. Uh, and it's, it's a love Island. Basically it's the love Island okay. premise. They're all on this resort together. Uh, but the twist is these are all very thirsty people. Uh, and they can't have sex. Why, why wait like mandated by the show they can't have sex like if yes. they have sex they get kicked off uh no so it's it's the show is made to help attractive people understand what relationships are because <laughs> <laughs> it's that like superficial <laughs> so everyone starts off with a pot of a hundred thousand dollars okay uh you know if you uh and if you do any kind of physical uh movement in real in you know in a, in a relationship sense your pot goes down not just okay. your individual pot but the group pot goes down oh okay. so if you kiss that's three thousand dollars you lose uh-huh uh and if you have sex it's sixteen thousand dollars you lose oh uh, what are, what are the rules on masturbation here no masturbation no, oh yeah God. and yeah, it's, a, it's a month-long show you know what I can understand why this show would have so much relevant in our current situation. Yeah. As, and, as, as many of us now find ourselves in uh, socially mandated sexual isolation. It, it, it honestly feels like the exact opposite of love is blind. <laughs> it kind of is, isn't it? Yeah. But the show is so bad. It's literally, like I said, it's the horniest show on Netflix. Cause it's just see, a lot of attractive because, because they all came expecting it to be, like a big brother kind of thing where it's just, you know, being very sexual and, and, you know, living on a beach together. Yeah. So they all oh brought, you know, like very skimpy stuff to try and tempt all of their, you know, their Island mates. Uh, and now, yeah, it's, it's like, I don't, there's, I, I was talking to one of my friends about this. I think this was more produced from a female view or from like a female team because okay. the guys are way more attractive than the girls. Interesting. 
it, I mean, is it all straight couple? Like all yeah, straight people? Yeah, it's all straight, yeah. Oh, well then, oh God. <laughs> of course it is. You know what, you know what they did that? Because that would never work if they were going to I know, I, I was it. thinking about that, yeah. It, it would, would never work. It would never, ever, ever work. <laughs> Although maybe the gays need it the most. Just saying. Uh, so yeah, I, I would I would plug as an anti-plug of an don't anti-plug. don't watch it. Our first ever Cameron warning. I I also want really want to emphasize for the listeners how significant this is. Because I will watch anything. You, you Cameron, you will watch anything. Yeah. And enjoy it. Yeah. You have found something that's beyond even your capacity to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Cameron, I'm very pr- impressed and proud of you right I now. I think this is the first thing I've ever given like a thumbs down on Netflix. I think it is. You're like that episode of The Simpsons and Homer's a food critic. Yeah. And he just loves everything. Exactly. Although maybe this is you sliding to the opposite set, like space now. Maybe now you're gonna get like hooked on giving things negative reviews and you're just mm-hmm. gonna hate everything from now on. I have been watch I have been finally going back and watching like older films that have been on my list for a while. Mm-hmm. And I'm really sad to say I haven't liked a lot of them. If you watch Casablanca, don't talk to me about it. No, I've seen Casablanca. Okay, good. We, we've, we've talked about it. No, but I watched I watched Totoro the other day for the first time. Oh, okay. I didn't really like it. I've never seen it. So. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of Totoro. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll, that, that'll be it for me. Um, okay. What, what have you been watching, listening, reading? Uh, so a couple like quick plugs uh, as part of our, our DCAU community. So obviously, I'll, I'll put down in the show notes the the live scriptery we did. The the Watchtower database guys uh, asked us to join them for the at home Comic Con. Uh, their panel was doing a live script read of Legends of the Dark Knight, as I referenced at the top of the show, and mm-hmm. we, we joined, and it was super, super fun, and they uh, they recorded all and put it up on their YouTube channel, like, immediately. Yeah. Um, so, as of right now, it's also uh, linked, it's the link in our Instagram bio. It'll be up there for maybe the next week or so before going back to just links to the podcast, as we normally have it, um, and I'll put it in the episode notes down there, too, but it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, we both had a lot of fun doing it like you know we, we we read it through this you know like kind of banter and, and goofs along the way as well um i'm just excited i got to play joel schumacher so. you did i i but wish that... i kind of had more energetic characters <laughs> hey it's all good it's the first one of these we've done i would suspect probably not the last though because we had a yes. great time doing it <clears throat> uh so we're gonna put a quick plug in for that as well as uh, a plug for the dcau review cal and liam they just had their 100th episode did i plug this last time i don't think i did did i uh i don't remember if I didn't, we'll I'm say doing no. it again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they just had their 100th episode talking about uh, Starcross, the series finale to Justice League. So we're doing it in chronological order. They kind of jump around and um, do it in a different structure. And they actually go through and give like a point system. They have a really good review. Um, but it was 100th episodes. So they reached out to a lot of us who are in the same community to do a little shout out. So there's uh, me doing a little shout out for them. And congratulations on there. Um, and they're, they're great. I've listened to a few of their episodes. I just listened to their episode on... If you're so smart, why aren't you rich? Which is one oh, of our favorite oh, BTOS episodes. Episode. Uh, Cal and Liam, if you're listening, I will acknowledge I didn't finish the Starcross episode because I haven't really seen it in a long time. And as I was listening to you guys talking about it, I wanted to watch it so bad. And I am deliberately not watching this stuff until <laughs> it comes up in our rotation, which has been hard because there's some really great stuff in Justice League and Justice League Limited that I desperately want to watch. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I stopped listening. <clears throat> so it'll be like nice and fresh when we come to it, uh, whenever we get to it. Um, but yeah, a quick plug for them. And then I read the first two issues of Batman The Adventure Continues, the the new comic set in the DCAU. Um, they're they're pretty good. So it's it's written by um, Alan Burnett and Paul Dini, obviously, like big uh, influential writers of the animated series. And it's drawn by um, is it Ty Templeton, who 
did a lot of the uh, the art for the the comics that came out around the show as well. And like, I, I'd say that they're in the same sort of vein as those sort of tie-in comics, which not many of them are really particularly standout. Like they don't really necessarily hold up on their own as like great episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're they're pretty fun stories so far. And the the whole idea is that it's kind of loosely based off of the uh, the action figure line that's going on right now. Interesting. So they had all the, you know, like the really nice figures. Like I have some of them. I have the Batman, I have Batman Beyond, like uh, really accurate figures of the show's characters from BTOS and Batman the Animated Series. Um, oh, no, sorry, and the new Batman Adventures. Uh, but these are characters we never got a chance to see. So like there's Deathstroke, there's Red Hood, there's um, Batman in his Dark Knight Returns armored suit. So now they're basically finding ways to incorporate some of those characters and designs into a comic series with an actual story behind it. So it's fun. It's well worth a read. And uh, it's going to be ongoing for a while. But the first two issues are out. And the next one will be dropping the day after this podcast comes out. So go check that out. That's awesome. Yeah. But I think that finally does it for us today. We did it. Thank you for we... listening to a very special episode. This was, You know, the thing is, this was a very special episode about a very special episode. <clears throat> it was. Yeah, um, but no, thank you as always for listening. We always appreciate when you guys send in uh, notes and comments. So thanks to uh, Benjamin and Ashley for doing so. Uh, if you guys have thoughts on this episode, which it's there's a lot to dissect here. I'd really love to get people's uh, perspective on this and you know maybe even some a little more commentary on sort of its modern relevance. Um, heavy though those conversations are, they're worth having. You can find us at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. Cameron, where can they find you? Uh, if you want to see my art page, you can find that at Cameron.Dexter on Instagram. And if you want to see uh, my face and my sad experiences not going to Disney, uh, you can find that at CamDexter underscore adventures. Hey, there's that uh, that one girl who like basically made her own Disneyland rides at home. You can I've do been that, seeing Cameron. a lot of those recently. It, yeah, there's a couple do people doing it. You know what, Cameron? You're pretty much always wearing Disney merchandise to begin with, but you know yeah, why, I got my why not? Shirt on. You got your Hercules shirt on, your your go-to Avengers hat on. Why not just you know put on a little bit more Disney merch than normal? You know, maybe uh, just put on some of the the classic tunes on your speakers in the background. Um, you know, maybe just sit in your chair and spin around and pretend you're on Mr. Toast well, Wild Ride. The problem is, if I do that, I would get really, really sad. Oh no! Okay, don't do that. <laughs> I, I watched someone did like a, a plane, not a plane, a helicopter view. Or no, drones. They, they flew a drone over an empty Disneyland. Yeah. Uh, and it just hurt watching that. Did it hurt because you wish you could be there when it was that empty? Yes, because there's no lines. No lines. What we all dream of. You can only imagine how insanely packed that park is going to be when things reopen. Yeah, I know. So. But I don't care. All I'll right. be there. You'll, you'll, of course, be there. And you can see him on his Instagram when that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, where where can wanna, I find you, Chris? You can find me at Lordifer on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Um, yeah, I've been doing, been doing some like story stuff here and there. I, uh, I finally finished my massive 1989 Lego Batmobile. So I need to uh, compile that into one story. I'll be putting it up there soon. So you can go there. Nice. Congratulations. It is, it is probably one of the most beautiful Lego sets I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. It is like it's built in the other room. I walk past it every day going to and from my desk while I'm working and I just stop and stare at it. It is legitimately like a, a the gorgeous, gorgeous work of art. So um, yeah, check that out. But uh, no, thanks to everyone for listening and we'll, See you next time for a yeah. uh, premiere of Static Shock Season 3, which I believe is the beginning of the <clears throat> new animation style, right? It is. Oh, oh, and so Gear. Excited. Gear's episode two. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, we'll, we'll be doing episode two. Yeah. Oh, God. So excited for the introduction of Gear. Love mm-hmm. him. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys. Bye. Superhero Static Shock. <laughs> <laughs>
Whoop, whoop. Superhero static. Ciao.